Uh, go ahead and turn uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you don't have one, it'll be up on the screen for you. Uh, but we're going to be looking at finances. We're going to talk about money today. And let me be honest. We are going to talk about your money today. Not just somebody else's money. We're going to be talking about your money. And here's the deal. The Bible speaks a lot about money. It talks a lot about money. In fact, Jesus himself talked about money 25% of the time. If you were to go to the red letters in your Bible, if you got them, 25% of the time. Now, can you imagine if I got up here 25% of the weeks and preached about money? That's 13 sermons a year. That's three months worth of sermons about money. So consider yourself uh, given a lot of grace. So, um, but we're, we're going to talk about money today because it's in a very important, uh, very important subject uh, because here, here's why. Because money, if you read in the Bible, money is one of the easiest ways to bless people, bless others, certainly bless the church and bless God's mission. That's one of the best ways to use money. Money is also one of the easiest idols in our life. The scripture talks a lot about how God is the most holy and perfect God. And then we have other things that are below him, that are subject to him, that we make idols in our life. And we begin to worship those things in our life. And we, uh, we see those as, I mean, we, money is one of those things that we worship. So it is both something that is used to be good and it is, it is something to be used as an idol or bad. Now, here's the deal. And you might be sitting there, and you're already kind of feeling a little bit defensive. Uh, and Because here, here's what a lot of people say about what the, ch- when, the church and money. And if you've been here several weeks, you know that I talk about money uh, on a regular basis before our offering. Uh, but <clears throat> here's the deal. People get a little antsy. They get a little frustrated when the church talks about money. And they do this for three reasons. There's re- three reasons why, the, the, why people think that the church shouldn't talk about money or certainly shouldn't talk it very much. And in fact, in the church that I grew up with, there was one Sunday a year where the pastor talked about money. Every other Sunday, he never talked about it, but only one Sunday a year. And like he announced it to everybody and it was very low attendance. So, I mean, it was just kind of interesting. People weren't very comfortable with it. And one of, one of the main reasons why people don't think the church should talk about money is because, let's be honest, there have been widely reported churches that have sinned with people's money, that they don't do the right thing with it, that they don't steward it well, and they waste it, uh, and they actually do wrong things with it. Now, here's the deal. I know that that happens. We want to be open and accountable at this church with the money that we have. If you are a partner with us and you want to see our books, we'd love to show them to you. Every dollar is accounted for, and we want to make sure that we're stewarding that money in the most holy and godly way possible. Uh, But we do need to speak about it. Even though there has been major discrepancies with the church in the past, not our church, but the church in general in history, doesn't mean that we shouldn't speak about it. There's a lot of things that the church has done that I'm not really that crazy about. I mean, 400 years ago, if you committed adultery, people used to just stone you and kill you. I mean, so we're not going to do that anymore, right? I mean, so there's, there's a little bit of progression that needs to happen. And we're going to talk about money because it is something that the Bible speaks to directly. The second reason why people don't want the church to talk about money is because they, they would say, isn't the church a place where you can come and feel comfortable? Because let's be honest, talking about money is uncomfortable. And here's a radical fact. The word comfortable never appears in your Bible. It's never there. 
God is about transformation. He is about changing people from death to life. And transformation is not comfortable and never will be. God is a passionate God who wants to see you and your life and your family transformed. And sometimes that's going to take encouragement, and we use that a lot. Sometimes it's going to take a challenge or rebuke or critique. Sometimes those things happen. So we want to be passionate about what God has asked us to do. So let's not be comfortable as a church. I never want to be comfortable as a church. I want us to push and keep our foot on the throttle for the mission. That's going to take money. That's going to take you guys sacrificing, all of us jointly sacrificing together. Right? Our church staff, our core team, we all give to the church. It's not that I'm asking you to do this and this isn't something I do myself. We want to make sure that we are literally uncomfortable and transforming our lives according to what the gospel has for us. The, other, the third thing is the, uh, that, that the church shouldn't ask people for commitments. That the church shouldn't make people make commitments. Now, here's the deal. Who owns a home? If you own a home. You own a home? All right. One of those, like, uh, exciting yet depressing days is when you have to sit in the lawyer's office. Right? And sign a billion papers. I'm pretty sure that it says in there, like, you're signing away your firstborn, right? So, like, it's going to happen, right? You're just, you're kind of confused because you're really excited about getting your new home. But you know, I'm signing my life into something. And that's all. That's a lot of money. Now, here's the deal. Have you ever, has your mortgage company ever kind of called you up and right? But, you know, as you're signing the papers, they've just said, hey, you know, uh, if you feel like it, go ahead and pay. Uh, you know, it's not much of a commitment. You know, don't, you don't have to worry about it. If you've had a good month, then go ahead. If you've got a little extra cash laying around, please go ahead. Your mortgage company makes a, has to make a commitment. You have to make a commitment every time you pay that mortgage company. Every time you pay your cell phone bill, they make you sign a contract for a commitment. Gym membership, your electric bill, your water bill, that is a commitment that they are asking you to make. That is a financial commitment. None of us have a problem with that. We know that that's just normal, right? Why are those things more important than a commitment that we make to God about finances? Why? Why are we uncomfortable about a commitment with our finances with God and more comfortable with a financial commitment to our stuff and the things that we have? And so I would say that the church... We are, it is part of our stewardship. It is part of our job in discipling and teaching that we talk about money on a regular basis. So let me, let me tell you this. Let me warn you. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. It's not going to be much of a commitment today, but I am going to ask you to make a commitment over the next two weeks. And I want to just kind of forewarn you about that. So let me, let me look at this passage in 2 Corinthians and let us guide our discussion towards uh, generosity. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to read the first, I believe, eight verses. It says this. I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, 
But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, I want you to highlight that in your Bible if you've got a pen. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this grace also. It says this in verse 8 and 9. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So let's talk about this passage. Paul is writing to a group of uh, people in Macedonia. So uh, uh, many churches, Philippi, Corinth, all of these things. And he is encouraging them and thanking them for an act of grace. He's talking about the fact that they gave generously of who they are. Now, this is dramatically different than their culture. See, in, in our culture in America, we, we, we have a small it's altogether small culture of generosity. We have nonprofits coming out of our ears. United Way, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, you know, all of these things. And millions upon billions of dollars are given to these organizations so that good is done around our country. And that's, and that's a great thing. And it's, it's a part of the fabric of who we are. In fact, I mean, everybody knows that if you give to some kind of nonprofit organization uh, that, does, that does a good thing, that you get, you get a tax deduction. Even our government says that that's a very good thing. So it's, it's, it's part of our culture. It's woven into our culture. In their culture, giving away anything was taboo. You didn't give away anything to anybody. Nobody gave anything. There was no nonprofit organization. They didn't even know what that was. If you were trying to explain it to them, they would be so confused as to what was going on. Why would you ever give away your hard-end running? Christianity comes along. The church exists for the first time ever, and a strange thing begins happening. They start giving away what they've earned and not getting anything in return. Their system was, I mean, they had a money system, they had a barter system, but everything was, I give you something, you give me something in return. For the first time ever in their culture, there was this thing called the church that was giving away without anything in return. This was amazing to Paul. And he wanted to point out and continue to, uh, and continue to encourage this on a regular basis. So generosity becomes a part of the fabric of Christianity from the very, very beginning. And I want to go over some of these characteristics real quick as we look into this scripture. I mean, the first one that you'll see is that um, this is an act of grace, an act of grace, that if we, if grace is unmerited favor. So these people were giving away something that somebody didn't even merit. They were giving away something that, uh, you know, it's not like they were a good person and they just deserved it. No, this is unmerited favor. This is unmerited generosity. It is an act of grace in verse 1. In verse 2, it says this, that they did this. Get this. They did it in their affliction and poverty. You're not talking about a group that's well off. You're talking about poor people who are giving away 
they're being persecuted for who they are and they're giving away on top of that. Could you imagine this is what this would be like? It would be as if the United States government didn't reward you for the gifts that you gave, but it's possible that if you began to give away, that they would punish you. Could you imagine, you imagine how that would stifle nonprofit organizations in our country? Like, you imagine if you gave to the United Way that you could possibly be arrested and beaten? Pretty sure their giving would go way down, right? But, in, I mean, in our culture, it's, it's encouraged. So that's a, good, that's a good thing. In their culture, they could have been punished for it. But they gave anyway, which is amazing. Uh, the, they gave according to their um, means and beyond. So they gave what they could, and they gave beyond what they could. In their poverty and in their affliction. Uh, and in, that's, in, uh, in, that's in verse 3, if you were, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. And I love that. Of their own accord. They were not forced. They were not sent a bill. We're never going to, I mean, that's our job. We're, we're not going to send you a bill in the mail. You owe us this much money. We think you make this much money, so we're going to take a certain percentage of your wealth. That's, that's never going to happen, right? You give on your own accord willingly, and that's what they were doing. They were not being forced into it. They just did it willingly. In verse 5, it says that they gave generously to God. Here's the deal. Um, in, in verse 5, it says, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then the, by the will of God to us. Meaning that they gave, they gave to God, and they gave to others. They were generous not only to, I guess, the church, but they were also generous with each other. So when I so hear me when I when I'm preaching today and next week hear me when I say generosity isn't just this plan to give some money to the church generosity is who we are inside that God is transforming us to be so that we can go let's go out to eat and hey I'm going to buy you lunch and I don't expect anything in return I just want to I just want to bless you today I want to be a part of of giving you joy just blessing Blessing other people. I mean, of course, Christmas time was a huge time of blessing. A lot of you blessed people through that. That you just, you saw a need and you said, I'm going to meet that need. And some of you are gifted in that. Uh, one of the people that I know, if you ever met my dad, my dad's spiritual gift is giving. If you need a buck, he'll give you 20, right? He's just one of those, he's just one of those people. He'll do it all the time. It's amazing. He's just a giving person. It's part of the fabric of who he is. And here's the deal in verse 7. I want you to get this. Um, but you, as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and in love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So here we deal. Part of the fabric of Christianity is this idea of generosity. Make sure that you excel in this area. Not just meet the, not just meet the lowest common denominator, but excel. Get an A plus in this, right? This is an area that Paul is purposely wanting us to to excel in. And here's the deal. Here's why. That generosity is the most outward signal of inner transformation that's tangible. Okay? I want you to get that. Generosity is the most outward signal of what's happening inside. Now, we have other things like baptism. We say that when we, when we baptize somebody, it is a giant billboard to the world. Now it is, now generosity is a sustained outward signal to the world that we are a generous people. Now, uh, so 
We tell the world, here's the deal, we tell the world that we love them when we give. We tell others that we love them when we sacrifice for them. We tell God, here, we tell God that we trust him when we're willing to put aside all of the idols in our life and say, you are number one, you are my priority. Here's how this works out in our life. In my marriage, Adrian knows that I love her. When? When I forsake all others for her. She knew that I loved her when I said, you are the only woman that I love. Everyone else is, is completely secondary, tertiary to you. You are primary. I love you. Right? Subject. It's the same thing with God. There is no other gods beside him. We make him primary we make, we, make him, we make him the most important thing in our life. For my wife, she knows that when I'd rather spend time with her rather than anybody else, it's, I'm telling her that I love her. And here's another one. When I spend, and, when I save and spend our finances and our money, and I, I want to see her benefited from that, and our children benefited from that, and I want to see our finances going to bless her and our children. It is a way that I tell her that I love her. When I say, hey, I don't need all this other stuff that I could possibly buy. I want to buy you what you need and what you want. And that's telling her that I love her. That's just an act of grace that I need to excel in in my marriage. In the same way as I sacrifice, as I spend time with her and say, I'm not going to spend time with anybody else but you. I love you and nobody else. I want you to be primary in my life. And that shows that I am sacrificing to you. And so, um, <clears throat> now here's the deal. For Christians, there's a lot of things that we can be generous with. Uh, and so money is not the only thing. So I want to say, I mean, there's, there's other things that we can be generous with. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous by, with our love for other people. We can be generous with serving other people. I mean, my wife, for instance, she doesn't want me to go spend money on her. She really doesn't. That's not really her thing. She would rather me just spend time with her. She would rather me do chores around the house to make sure that things are picked up. Like, she'd much rather do that than go out to dinner. I, don't, I mean, it's just kind of the way she is. And so I have to learn that about her. But in order for me to be generous towards her, I, I want to do what is going to bless her. So, uh, you know, money is not the only area of generosity. However, it is the most tangible form of generosity that we can see. And when we think about being generous, we often think about money. Uh, and so, uh, and, and here's the deal. Money, when it comes down to generosity, money is kind of the brass tacks of it. It is kind of the primary form. Uh, but here's the deal. And, it, and you might be hearing me here today. And you, you, uh, you've just heard me preach 10, 15 minutes on being generous. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm with you, Charlie. I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. I understand I want to be generous in my own life, but you have no idea what my credit card statement says. You have no idea how over our head our mortgage is. You have no idea what I owe to everybody. You don't know my hospital bills. You don't know um, this furniture company that I owe. You don't know anything about that. We are barely scraping by. We are paycheck to paycheck. We are every month, I'm not even sure where the groceries are going to come from. And you're standing up there asking me to be generous 
when I don't even know, I can't even control. I have no self-control. I have no idea where this money is going to come from. How is that going to happen? How am I going to be generous? If you're saying that this is an act of grace that we need to be steadfastly going towards, how is it possible that I'm going to be generous? And here's the deal. We as a church, we want to walk with you through that. I have no intention of standing up here and saying, you need to be generous, get your life together, we'll see you next week, and I hope there's a lot of money in the basket. That's not what I'm about. I want to guide you through that process. I want to help you through that process. So I, I want to talk to you about just personal money management today. If we're going to excel in generosity, we have this major preface of making sure that our lives are together financially. Okay, so we have to do this thing called personal money management. And there's three people in this room that I, there's three people in this room and you, you fit into one of these categories. Okay, the first group of you is you've got a budget. You've been doing budget stuff for years. You might, you might listen to Dave Ramsey on the radio all the time. You know what's going on. You've got money in the bank. You've got savings in the bank. You've got investments. Uh, you're, not, you're not in debt. You don't have credit card debt. Uh, you never do. I mean, you, you've got it together. You know what your budget is. You, you might be running on the envelope system. I'm not really sure, but you've got it together financially. You know what's going on. You make a good deal of money. You, save, you, you spend less money than you make. I mean, so you've got it together. And that's a very good thing. And the Bible says this about you guys. Proverbs 24, 3 through 4 says this. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. And by knowing the rooms shall be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There is a knowing. You understand what needs to happen. Uh, so here's the deal. I want you to sit tight because you're, you're already done with this sermon, sort of. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, I want you to sit tight. I want you to be ready for next week because it, just because you have your money together does not mean that you're a generous person. Okay. So we're going to talk about more generosity next week. Uh, so, but you have your stuff together. Now, if you're not that, you might be the next person. You make pretty good money, but you don't have a budget. You don't know where it goes. Every once in a while, you might check the end of your bank statement and you've got money in the bank so I can do whatever I want. You know, I just, I, I mean, I, I guess things are together. You know, I'm not in debt. I don't, I don't have credit card debt. I, you know, I don't live in something that's a monstrosity that I can't pay for. And, and God has just blessed me in that way. So I can just do anything with my money that I want. And I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I just, I'm okay. Everything is fine. We're good. And believe it or not, I mean, that's a way that Adrian and I used to live. Uh, when we had two incomes and no kids and um, a very small house payment, it was wonderful. I mean, we, we went out to eat. We never cared. It was just buy whatever you want. I don't care. It, it was, we lived like that for a little while uh, and, until Adrian came home to be with the kids and we began to get on that budget. And here's what the Bible says about this. The prosperity of fools will destroy them. That's Proverbs one thirty two. The prosperity of fools will destroy them. It's not... The prosperity will, will destroy them. It is the prosperity of fools, people who do not understand what their money is doing. Um, Jesus says this in Luke 14. It says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he may have enough to finish it, lest perhaps after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all those seeing, uh, seeing begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. That one of these days it's going to catch up with you. If you don't have a plan, if you're not ready, if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, the Bible says that a lot of that is just going to kill you. So we need to have a plan. And the third, the third person, you are uh, 
in terrible shape financially. You are one of these people that uh, you are in debt. You might be in horrible debt like this couple that we just saw in the video. You might have 10, 20, 30, 70,000 dollars in debt and you're just drowning in it. And you just think it's going to be normal. And you just think that that's the way that you live your life. And that one day, magically, somebody might pay my bills. And maybe I'll just, I'll get a promotion one day and and things will just get better. And it's just magically going to, it's going to happen. And we begin to live our life that way. And we just think, well, maybe the bank will just do an error in my favor like Monopoly. And and they're just going to give me a bunch of money, right? And we live that way. And, we, and most of it, believe me, most of America lives that way, where debt just becomes normal. It's normal to have debt. It's normal to be in astronomical debt. And, that's, and that is a sad place to be. Proverbs thirty-seven twenty-one says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back. Get that. Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one: The wicked borrows and does not pay back. Proverbs 20, uh, 22, 7 says, The rich leads over the poor, and the, borrow, the borrower is slave to the master. Christianity is about being subject to only one, Jesus. And if we are the borrower, we are the slave to the master. There is another person, another master in our life. And money has become that master. And a lot of us, here's the deal. We use this as a giant crutch. That we don't need, we don't get to be generous. We don't have to be generous because our life is in shambles and we just live that way and we play the victim. And we just say, it's not really my fault. We need to get our lives together. And the Bible says that we have to be givers and purveyors of grace, which is generosity. And we have to get ourselves together. So in order for us to do this, I mean, there, there's not a whole lot. I, I mean, I'm not a personal financial calen, uh, counselor. I put something like in your, bullet, uh, in your bulletin, just a quick top 10 list that says, uh, here's some things that you need to be thinking about. Uh, a lot of those come from uh, like Financial Peace University or just some things that I've studied. Um, <clears throat> you know, here's, here's a couple things that you need to know. Uh, the first thing, know what you have. A lot of us don't even know what we have. We don't know how much we make. We don't know how much money is taken out in taxes. Some of us are in completely wrong tax brackets. And we're allowing the government to use our money. And we get a huge check in April. And, and everybody's like, yes, I can go out and buy a car. You know, that's, that's not good. You're letting the government borrow your money for all of the year. That's not a good thing. You need to be able to use that money so that you can deal with your stuff and be generous. So know what you got. Know what you have. Go home. Make a budget. There's tons of tools. We're going to have tools online on our website this week that I'll put up that will just be great tools for you to use to begin budgeting, having something to organize your thoughts. The second thing is organize what you have. Put together some type of goals. You need to have a savings account. You need to begin investing. These are all good things. We need to organize what we got. Have some financial goals. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you want to be financially in five or ten years? Or are you just trying to make it the next month? That's not a great way to live. That's being a a big-time slave to the master of money. The third thing is we have to have some self-control. This is the debt issue. This is the debt issue. We have to have some self-control. And once we get out of debt, we need to stay there. We need to stay there. So you can get out of debt and be like, hey, we're out of debt. Let's go buy a new car. No. (laughs) Save until you can pay cash for that car. Save. 
Wouldn't it be awesome? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you saved enough money to buy your house in cash? Imagine if you could do that. I heard a story about, uh, about a, a guy and a girl who got married. And for the first three years, they, uh, they both had jobs. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they lived on the man's salary uh, for, for three years. And then the, woman, the, the, the wife's salary, she made 50 grand a year. And so they tucked that away in the savings for three years. After three years, they went and bought a house in cash as 26-year-olds. That's amazing. Can we be financially uh, free? And that's the fourth thing. Be financially free, live without financial fear, and begin at that point to be generous and give lavishly. Live in financial freedom. That's a big thing. And here's the deal. I'm I'm not going to leave you alone with this. I'm not just going to give you a website and say, here, go here for some help. Um, uh, we are partnering with the Journey Church. Uh, that's our sending church. If you, they're, they're on Treeland Drive. You can see them on tw- uh, from off 26. They're a great church. And they're going to be partnering with us to put on Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University starting on February 22nd. Uh, and uh, we would love to have people from this church be going through that course because it's fantastic. It is Jesus-based, and we want, we want and, and Dave really wants to help you. Uh, so they're going to be providing child care. It's going to be on Tuesday nights, February 22nd. They're going to be starting that. We'll have a link on our website. We'll have an, uh, the ability to sign up here in the next few weeks for you to go through that. If you want to get a hold of your finances, I really hope that you will take advantage of that class. I'll be telling you a little bit more about that. And, of course, we'll have resources that will go out this week uh, through our website. Now, here's the deal. Yes, we got personal money management. That's what I want you to take care of. But there was two verses there, and this is the reason why we need to be financially free. I want to read them again. This is the reason why we're going to be financially free and we'll be done in just a couple minutes. It says this in verse eight and nine. It says this, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Here it is. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. The reason why this matters, the reason why you should care about this is because, here it is, and write this down, generosity is a direct display of the gospel. Generosity is a direct display of the gospel. Now here, now get me on this. Generosity or giving money is not the gospel. Okay? It is a display of the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. You give money, it does not save you. You can give millions upon billions of your wealth away, and you will not earn a spot in heaven. You will not earn a relationship with Jesus through giving. You can put as much money as you want in this baskets, but until you give your life and you repent of your sin and say, I want a relationship with Jesus, and what's, here's the best part about that, it is free. Absolutely free. Now, generosity, though, is a direct display of that gospel. Okay? Here's why. Verse 9. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. It's called the great exchange. Jesus 
conscious decision to leave his home in heaven, to come down to us on earth as a man, God becoming flesh or becoming a man, giving himself. He is the first and lavish giver to us. And what we do is just simply copy him. And we say, we want to be rich. We want to be rich. And we want to take on your richness, Jesus. You have given yourself and you have made yourself poor so that we can be rich. Rich in what? Grace. Rich in what? Life. Rich in what? Eternity. That's what he wants us to be rich in. Not money, not stuff, not houses, not cars. He wants us to be rich in eternal life so that we might have him. And that's all that we need. It's a beautiful picture of someone who gave his life for us. And so what we do is we do the same. That though we are rich, we will become poor for the cause of Christ. Though we have, we will have not so that others might be able to have. That is the call of Christ. And it is a display of the gospel. It is not the gospel. The gospel is free. But it is a display of what Christ has done for our life. Now, if you don't know this, if this is the first time that you've heard that, or that you've heard it, and this is the first time that it makes sense for you. That is the most important part of this sermon. Not personal financial management. It has nothing to do with you today. You today is about a relationship with Jesus that is absolutely 100% free. And it is available for you. And I want to talk to you about that. And we will have, I'll, I'll have all the time for you in the world if you want to come talk to, one of, to me or one of our leaders. And I'd love for you to do that. Um, <clears throat> So here's the commitment, and I'll I'll wrap up with this. I I told you that I was going to ask you for a commitment. Next week, we're going to be flushing out this whole idea of generosity. Today, we talked about personal financial management. That's a good thing. That's a preface to generosity. So next week, we're going to talk about generosity and how how we can begin to give of our lives, right? Here's your homework assignment. Here's the commitment that I want you to make. Go home this week and get yourself where you know what's going on financially for yourself. Get your paperwork together. Take a sit, sit down with your spouse and begin to look over your bills. It's a team effort, right? And let's get ourselves organized. And if you need help, please ask for help. Please look for resources. Say, I need help with this. I will be, we are, as the church, we want to help and walk with you through this. We, want, we never want to say, fix it and come back when you're fixed. We don't want to do that. We want to walk with you through this whole thing. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited that we can be financially free as a church so we can be generous as a church to this, uh, to this community that we love. So let's pray, let's pray together and we'll be singing a couple more songs and we'll be done. Father, we love you. Thankful that you are generous. You gave. You gave lavishly and you still give. You have never stopped giving. You continue to give every day. The very fact that we are here and we are breathing and you is a pure act of grace on your behalf that you have given. And Father, we worship you for that. That though you were rich, you became poor for us. And Father, I pray that this week as we discern and try to understand these things, that we, who are also rich and blessed, that we might become poor for the sake 
of Christ that others might be able to have, that others might be able to become rich and share in our life together. And Jesus, let our praise be pure and undefiled because we are pure before you right now. And as we sing and as we shout and as we celebrate, Father, I pray that you would be worshipped and that Jesus would be the center of our focus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.